It's good to be with you this morning. Thank you for uh, joining with us. We do have some missing, and I'm sorry about that, but I am grateful for who is here and who's with us online as well. We are grateful that you've joined us too. Um, Ryan cited a bunch of statistics. That's his bailiwick. I don't know very many statistics. I do notice that when people analyze the generations, Gen X and Millennials and Gen Z and everything, um, I haven't noticed this about the boomers. I think it's probably because it's the boomers who do most of those analyses. But um, one of the things that has been fairly persistent is anxiety about identity. In, genera in these generations that keep getting these books coming out, Anxiety about identity. Who am I? You know, what, who am I supposed to be? And it's not, this is, this is the Jim Baird diagnosis of why that anxiety is a persistent thing. It's not that there's no information about who I'm supposed to be. It's that there's too many stories about who I'm supposed to be. The series that we're going to do uh, started last week. We're going to do it for a few weeks. God made you to be something. And he made you more than what most of the stories that the world is selling tell you you are. The world has dozens of things that it's telling you this is all you are. This is the life that you should live. Because if you live this life, that will be convenient for our purposes. So today, I want to talk about this one. God made you more than a moneymaker, more than a money machine. God built you for a bigger life than the money rat race tries to get you to live. If you have your Bibles... Go ahead and open up. We're, we're going to get to that Matthew passage that we had read a minute ago. But if you have your Bibles, first turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We've been reading Luke in our Sunday morning classes, and we read this a few weeks ago. Luke 12, look at verse 13. Famous story. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store all my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, Jesus said, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but who is not rich toward God. God made you to be much more than the amount of money you make. And one of the stories that our world tries to tell us is that all of your value is measured by the amount of money that you make. One of the one of the ways that the world tries to get into our heads is by ranking us in a thousand different ways based on our income or the income of our family. What kind of car do you drive? What part of town do you live in? What school do you go to? What kind of shoes are you wearing? What's your haircut like? What brand of clothes do you wear? What model of iPhone is in your hand or not in your hand? Over and over and over again, the world finds so many ways to tell us you are what you earn. And God says you are not. You are more than that. And you need to live like you are more than that. Life is too short to live it serving money. And that's the parable, that's what Jesus' parable is about. The rich man says to himself, eat, drink, and be merry. Is that why he gets in trouble? God just doesn't like it when people are merry. When they enjoy themselves. That's not the reason he gets in trouble. In fact, who invented joy? Ryan, do you think it's the evil one? I don't think Satan wants you to be happy one second in your life. If he could get you to sin and rob the, the pleasure out of that sin, that's exactly what he would do. God is thrilled when you enjoy the world that he made for you. He says, I know, it's pretty good, right? God is happy for you to eat, drink, and be merry. What's wrong with the rich man's life in this story that we just read? Jesus tells you, this is what it's like to live your life with your eyes on money and not on God. Anybody who's rich in this world and not rich towards God, this is what your life is like. Because life is too short to live it serving money. And you can just drift into that. I don't think there's ever going to be a moment when a dollar shows up and knocks on your door and says, would you like to serve me? That's not going to happen. 
It's just going to be a drift where all these messages get in our heads. And if we let it, if we don't do anything to counter it, we'll just naturally start giving more and more of our attention, more and more of our devotion, more and more of our worship to the pursuit of cash and the things that cash can buy. And Jesus is not opposed to you enjoying the good things of this life. He just wants you to put them in perspective. Heard this illustration long ago. If you're out in the middle of the ocean in a lifeboat, you know your hope of rescue depends on getting noticed. You have one flare. And you know if you have a chance of being seen, you're going to have to use that flare at the right moment. Shoot it into the air, get spotted by a passing boat so you can be rescued. You also need to cook some of the food that you have. How many of you would choose to use your flare to cook your food? It's not bad to cook your food. Probably tastes better warm than cold. But it's foolish. And Jesus tells this parable to say, this is a foolish waste of a life. To put all of my energy into something I cannot keep. And to ignore that which I cannot lose, my future with God. I should take the money that I have. Jesus is going to say this explicitly later in some of the other passages we're going to look at this morning. I should take the money that I have and, and use it to make my connection with God. Use it to turn my heart toward God. To cement my love of God. God made you much more than the amount of money that you make. God also made you to be the master of the money that God gives you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that Matthew passage, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, look down at verse 24 that we had read this morning. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money's a master. Money's a lord that wants to own your life. If you let it, it will take over. It's not going to give you a choice. You have to make a conscious choice to resist that urge and that natural drift of your life. You cannot serve both. You've got to choose consciously to serve God. But the interesting thing is, you are meant to be the master of money, not the other way around. It is a terrible reversal of the created order for you to become the servant of the thing that was meant to be your servant. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. What were human beings created for? Let us make humans in our image. 
and let them have dominion, rulership. And God just starts listing off the things that he's created. You are meant to be the master of this world that God has given in your care. As God's sort of vice regent on earth, that's what's supposed to happen. Money is not supposed to be the boss of you. You're supposed to be the boss of it. And how do you do that? How do you gain control? Well, Jesus says, learn what money really is, first of all. Look up at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What if your heart is deeply plugged in your love, your well-being, your sense of security is deeply plugged into your money. Your worship is plugged into your financial well-being. Well, it's a God that's going to let you down. That's all I can say. You're going to die a thousand deaths. Oh my goodness, the Dow Jones just took a dip. Oh my goodness, they're doing layoffs at my job. Oh my goodness, there might be a larger, there might be a, a, another world war. Oh my goodness, there might be a worldwide recession or depression. Oh my God, you're going to die again and again and again if money becomes your Lord. It's just the way it is. Learn what money is. Money is fleeting. It goes away. It's its nature. It's God that's forever. You want to have something you can't lose? Have God. That's what you were meant for. That's what you were built for. That's what your life is oriented around. And anything that's not that, anything that's less than that, is going to leave you sad, anxious, and depressed and destitute in the next life. So be the master of your money. Hold it lightly. Recognize its nature. It's designed to go away. If I try to hold on to it, it's going to slip through my fingers. The bank's going to take it. The robbers are going to take it. My credit card is definitely going to take it. Recession's going to take it. I've never had money eaten by moths, but okay, probably. If I held it long enough, probably that would happen too. So hold it lightly and use it. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Prove to money that it's not the boss of you. Prove that you're the boss of it. Give it away. Jesus says, you may need to give it all away if that's what it takes to prove that it's not the boss of you. That's an extreme prescription, but he does give that prescription sometimes, remember? In our Bible class this morning, we're going to possibly get to the story of the rich young ruler. That's what he told him. Get rid of it all. 
Set yourself free. Prove it's not your boss. Like, I couldn't do it. But for every one of us who's seeking God, you need systematically in your life, we talked about this last week in our Bible class, systematically in your life, you need to prove that you're the boss of your money by systematically using some of it for God's will. You need to have a plan in your head and you need to execute on that plan week after week, month after month, year after year. That's part of proving who's the boss. That you're the one that's in charge. And that you're going to use your money for God. That's just the way a spiritual life works. And by the way, Ryan, uh, interestingly, and, and I think you alluded to this, our, uh, our attendance is down. Our contribution at Wilshire is not down that much. We are a very generous congregation. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. This is a congregation. Probably you don't need the sermon I'm preaching. I'm just storing this one up, right? Okay? Just in case. You need it later. Uh, Wilshire is a very disciplined and, and, and uh, good congregation. You guys are definitely bossing your money around, and I like it. Last point I want to make. God made you to live in the richness of God. A couple of passages that point this out. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 has two sayings where Timothy, the young missionary, is being given instruction by the older missionary, Paul. How can he help his congregations to do well? And specific instructions. If you've got rich people in your church, here's what you need to tell them. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap with many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I love that. It's the root of all kinds of evil. How many of you try to weed your garden? I am an impatient weeder, I will tell you. I hate it. I don't even like bending over anymore. So I'm very much of, if I can't see it, it's gone. You know, it's gone. What's wrong with that approach? You know what's wrong with it. The root. I'm going to go back inside. I'm going to have a nice lemonade. And in three days, that root. Sneaking back. And the love of money is like that, Paul says. You need to warn people what money's like. It's sneaking in to try and get you to do other bad stuff. It's the kind of Lord it is. If your money's threatened, why not lie a little bit? If your money's threatened, why not cheat a little bit? If your money's threatened, why not find the people who are vulnerable around you and squeeze a little more out of them? Why not? Why not? Why not? It's the root of all kinds of evil. It says, warn, warn your Christians that are in your churches. Warn them that that's the way money acts. Then he goes on, if you skip down, look down in verse 17. 
command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God loves it when you love to enjoy the world he made. He did that on purpose. He wants you to have the right perspective and to understand it comes from his hands and he means to give it to you as a present and he hopes that you will return compliments to him. Good job, God. (laughs) This food is delicious. I'm enjoying the air this morning. Thank you for the sunshine. He's happy when you enjoy those things and recognize it as part of his relationship with you and your relationship with him. God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God made you to live in that richness. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can take hold of the life that is truly life. Use the money that you have, recognize it for what it is, and use it as a tool to do God's will right here on earth, to store up for yourselves treasure in the life that is to come. That's that's what Paul says. It's basically a repetition of what's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this at length in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to have you flip back to that last bit of Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Or fret about the stock market. Well, that's, that's a Jim Baird edition. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God made you to live in the richness of God. Now, it's Christmas time. A lot of you are already, well, a lot of the women are already cranking through your Christmas gift list. Guys, we have a pact. We're not going to do it until the 23rd, right? That's, that's our time. But a lot of the women are cranking through Christmas gift lists. So here's one. How much would you pay for this? This is, a, this is a shirt. I don't even think it's on sale yet, but how much would you pay for this? It's a shirt that has sensors that detect when you are becoming uncomfortably hot 
and it has a built-in cooling system, and it's a point cooling system, so it will, it will just cool down the spots where you're getting hot. It's a smart shirt. No kidding. It's a smart shirt. And, well, according to the description, it is a self-mending shirt for small tears. A small tear, it will, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to push a button or anything. It notices a small tear by itself, closes it up, usually within a few minutes, sometimes within uh, an hour or so. And if you go back and look at the tear, within a few days, it will actually have restitched together and, you know, created new material. How much would you pay for that? I got news for you. You've been wearing that your whole life. It's called your skin. Your skin does all of that and a lot more. The richness of God, right? That was just one illustration. I actually had others, but that's just one illustration. Same thing as what Jesus is talking about. God knows what you need long before you know it. He's way ahead of Silicon Valley. He wants you to have a livable life. Now, it's a fallen world, and bad things will happen, and he's not guaranteeing that you won't sometimes have to suffer some, even his son that lived in this fallen world had to suffer some. But he wants you to have a livable life. He wants you to enjoy the things that he has created. He wants you to live in his richness. And part of what coming out of money anxiety and into peace amounts to is getting where Jesus got. To say, I know that about God. I may not see everything. I, 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 maybe I wish I could edit his list a little, but, but I know that about God, and I trust God. And as my trust in God goes up, my anxiety goes down. God made you more than what the world tells you you are. God made you more than a moneymaker. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your blessings to us. You just fill our life with so many good things, fill our life with so much that gives us joy and pleasure, big pleasures, little tiny pleasures, things we don't even notice or take for granted. We are grateful to you. Your richness is all around us. And God, help us. Give us the strength. Give us the brain power to live more fully in your richness and to rely on you and to let our anxiety flow away. And dear God, we thank you so much for being our God. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to the invitation of God to be part of his kingdom, to receive baptism and begin the new walk of life, if you haven't done that, or if you need prayers or help of some other kind, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.